Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 404, featuring an amazing person that I met over at THU 2022. Her name is Eugenie Van Tuzzelman, and she is the head of visual effects at a in the attractions section of Framestore. She is a roller coaster head in a lot of ways, uh, but she is absolutely amazing, wonderful person. Listen, she is so into roller coasters, her entire arm is tattooed with roller coasters on it and it's just so so cool uh brilliant person uh really cool very very smart uh and I, she was actually on the panel that i did for ai stuff at thu which was also fun and in fact we recorded this entire podcast while at thu in the oasis so if you hear some background noise of music and people chatting that's because we were literally at the Oasis uh, in Portugal, which was a lot of fun. And actually, you should just go ahead and watch it uh, on our YouTube channel and see what's going on behind us. But Kristen, what did you what did you like about uh, Eugenie and what she had to say about all the cool stuff and roller coasters? Yeah, this one is such a good podcast, especially if you like roller coasters. But um, she kind of discovered her love of theme park attractions at a young age while on a trip to Disney World, which probably a lot of young people do, but she sure. pursued her dream. Um, and now she's an engineer and VFX supervisor, but now focuses mainly on theme park rides. Um, mm -hmm. So we get to hear like the ins and outs of how a ride is created. And I really loved how she said the process is almost like creating a movie, like even from the script, she said it's, it's just like a movie script to production. So that's a really fun part to listen to. Um, and then just from her latest uh, one that she did was Jurassic World Adventure. Um, that was mm -hmm. back in 2021. And she has a few more in the pipeline that will be coming out, but she couldn't talk about it in this episode. So keep a lookout for some more theme park attractions from her. But um, mm -hmm. she just also worked on some amazing films you guys discussed, like Interstellar, Man of Steel, Iron Man 2, just to name a few. Um, but yeah, she's like, really, if you set your mind to something, you can really do anything. And that was just so cool to hear from just as a young girl wanting to do that. And now she is. Yeah, I know a lot of you, you know, a lot of people enjoy roller coasters and sort of having to think about, you know, how they've evolved so much, especially in the last, you know, several decades where they're not just about the thrill of the drop of the roller coaster. They're about a story or a narrative and being part of a journey and designing that story from the beginning is actually fascinating and sort of hearing it from her perspective uh, about what that's all about and how that, that happens. And exactly like you said, you know, she loves this and she does it with passion and it clearly shows in the work that she does. So really cool to do that. Really great to catch up with her uh, at THU. Can't wait uh, to go to the next THU, which I hope I will see her again because uh, it was a lot of fun to see what she's been up to. But awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, uh, we've got a couple of announcements. It is winding down. As you guys know, towards the end of the year, things start to slow down and we're starting to ramp up for our 2023 uh, and planning for that. But we still obviously want to let you guys know that uh, V-Ray 6 is out for many, many, many of our products. Uh, and so go check it out. Just go to chaos.com and check out all the latest uh, versions of V-Ray 6 uh, for uh, SketchUp and Revit and uh, App SDK and Rhino and Cinema 4D and Max and Maya, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So go check those all out. Uh, we do have um, one other thing that I want to mention. This is happening. This has uh, been going on sort of a little bit more informally, but more formally these days. And that's our Partners in Art uh, program. And this is something where people, uh, some of our users uh, or, or people we know or, or, or people that are interested in this have a passion project that they want to 
going to try to get off the ground and they don't quite know how to do it and they need a little bit of help. And this is uh, where you can uh, be part of our partners in our program. And so we can provide obviously some some licensings, uh, licensing of, of V-Ray and some cloud credit, et cetera. But we actually also have some some actual money that we can throw your way in terms of those projects. And so if you'd like to apply to be a Partners in Art, uh, we would love to hear your submission. Uh, and this can be anything in any kind of field, if it's architecture, if it's media and entertainment or any kind of thing that you're trying to do, let us know. We'd love to know where where we enter and where we can do and to help support you in that project. So just go to chaos.com slash partners in art. Again, that is chaos.com slash partners in art. Get all, all the details and everything you need to know to be to apply for that. Uh, so we'd love to have that you be part of it. And it's something that personally, I've actually fostered a lot of these and I would love to, to help your project as well. Uh, okay, uh, we have one event that's happening literally moments as this podcast is dropping. So you better get on it right away if you're interested. What's going on, Kristen? All right, so um, today we have our online event. It's called From Zero to Hero. Uh, it's its second edition, and this is focusing on how to secure your dream ArcViz career. And you can find out more about this at chaos.com slash events. Exactly. So remember, this is happening right now. So if you're here, if you're listening to this as the podcast drops, go ahead and go to chaos.com slash events to learn more about our From Zero to Hero uh, uh, program that's happening right now. Now, if people want to know more about the podcast, where can they go? You can go to facebook.com slash cggaragepodcast or chaos.com slash cggarage. And if you'd like to watch us, go to youtube.com slash chaosgrouptv. Perfect. And if you guys have any other ideas or questions or comments about the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is labs at chaos.com. And of course, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcast or anywhere else you get your podcast. But for now, please enjoy episode number 404 featuring Eugenie Von Tusselman. Welcome to another CG Garage where the chaos group talks. You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're gonna fire off rays in high dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray. And while image-based lighting is really swell, you need to make sure everything has for now. Thank you for doing this. I know it's completely impromptu and you've never heard a single one of my podcasts and you have no idea what I'm talking You have no idea what we're going to talk about, but that's okay. This is, uh, I, I, we've been talking over this out the last few days, so I know that we can totally make this work, which is basically, let's want to start with your origin story. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, sure. Uh, back to the beginning? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so when I was about uh, six, I was very lucky. I was taken to uh, Disney World in Orlando. Um, uh -huh. by my family and um, and uh, I always say that it was kind of the moment that I went on Space Mountain um, absolutely loved it like uh, particularly there's this bit um, for those who know Space Mountain that you get a, after the loading platform you go through this little tunnel and there's all these blue chasing lights and it's it's like a launch sequence sci-fi launch sequence uh -huh. it's really exciting it gets your adrenaline going and you know I just thought it was like the coolest thing I'd ever that ever happened to me I suppose um, but then um so for a while, I wanted to build roller coasters. I used to draw them a lot as a kid. Um, and that kind of made me start to think while I was a kid that I wanted to study engineering and go that way. Mm -hmm. um, but then um, then when I was like a young teenager, early 90s, um, 
things like Jurassic Park, Beauty and the Beast, Terminator 2 came out. Uh-huh. And I was like, ah, maybe I want to do that. And then there was things like the um, the spiders in Jumanji, which were animatronic. And I was like, maybe I want to do that. So felt sort of torn in these various directions. I think it was all of them were some aspects, you know, fairly obviously of sort of engineering technology, but art and creativity as well. Those were the things that really that really sort of fired me up. So I I did uh, I went to university, studied engineering. Mm-hmm. Um And the reason I ended up going the visual effects route was that sort of a couple of years in um, one of my lecturers, it just turned out he um, he'd been working in the robotics group and they'd been uh, developing software to initially the aim of it was visual geometry to guide robots around spaces. So it was attaching cameras to robots, uh, working out the, the shape of the space that they were in so that they could navigate around it. But they basically realized that actually this could be used for match moving. And so they uh, licensed the, the algorithms that they were writing to a software company, which turned into Buju, which was one of the oh, first pieces of automatic yeah. match-moving software. And that had got them a relationship with Framestore and Deneg and some of the visual effects houses in London. So when I met him, I, I sort of said, can I do a, a master's with you? And I ended up doing a master's with, with that group. Um, and my, my research was on extending that software, that algorithm to non-rigid objects, so skin patches and things like that at that point. Um, and that then, um, when I finished my master's, I, I, I sort of spoke to him and said, I, I think I want to go into visual effects now. I didn't have a showreel, but I had my sort of dissertation from that project. So I sent it out to the various visual effects houses in London. Um, and I was hired by Framestore as into the R&D group. So I started out there. Um, I spent a year there and then they made me redundant. Yay. Um, <laughs> which I, I have no shame telling that bit of the story because I think it's quite important. Like, it's fine. It, right. it happens. You know, these things, you know, life goes on. So then I um, I moved to DNEG and um, again, started out as R&D, but sort of it being quite a small company at the time, which is going back a bit, because this was 2003, 2004. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You could be a little bit more generalist, so I kind of ended up doing some effects work, sort of doing some, um, started, my first sort of bit of artistic work was doing um, steam simulations on Batman Begins. And then I just kind of worked my way up, so through effects, and then did some, um, some work on crowd systems there for John Carter um, and then kind of um, went into effects supervision then CG supervision eventually on Interstellar. Okay. Um, so then on Interstellar I um, that was a really amazing project to work on. I was on it for a very long time um, and I got to do the, all the sort of um, black hole and wormhole simulation work with, really? with, with Kip Thorne. Um, yeah, uh, really amazing stuff to be involved with. Like that was that was that was super interesting and kind of but then the, the, the sort of irony of it was that even though I loved doing the, the science work that we did on Interstellar, if anything, it kind of made me uh, a little bit, it made me want to quit my job, not because there was anything wrong with my job, but because it kind of reminded me that actually there is this, you know, tremendous world of like STEM and interesting applications of science and technology and mm-hmm. engineering and that I'd come from, oh, maybe it's film, maybe it's CG, maybe it's animatronics, maybe it's roller coasters. Um, and it ended up very much doing one thing for a very long time, which is basically sort of simulation style work. Right. So, um, so then I kind of thought, oh, as sort of a coincidence was that then I went to on vacation to Orlando for the first time in like 25, 30 years, whatever it was, right. and saw kind of the changes that had happened to theme park rides. There'd been um, 
they're getting more and more and more ambitious with, you know, sort of, you had your, your 3D media and pyrotechnics and animatronics and music and God knows what, ride vehicle movement and everything working together as these. And I was like, you know what, I really do kind of want to work in that. It took a little while to work out how to get it to happen. And really it was just kind of a coincidence, which is that I, um, I kind of heard through a friend who'd worked on one of the Harry Potter rides yeah. that Framestore considering setting up a dedicated rides department. And I basically called them up and said, that's interesting. I want to work in rides. Um, and so they hired me as uh, the supervisor on their first ride, ride project, basically. And, okay. then, and then I've been there now for seven years, six and a half, seven years. Wow. Um, and um, my, my title is now officially Head of Visual Effects Attractions, which is um, <laughs> quite a specific title just to me. But basically, I look after the, all the visual effects on our attractions and rides work. Okay. So that's, that's what I do. All right. And so when you say visual effects for Ridesworks, are you doing just the CG that's there or are you involved with the concept and design and the mechanics and all the other stuff of the ride? So interestingly, it varies. Um, the most sort of, you know, at the very least, we will be creating the visual effects media for any screens that are in the ride. Right. So screens on the ride, safety films, all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But it's the most fun and it often does happen when our stuff blurs out more into the rest of the attraction. So, for example, on the, the first project that I worked on, which was a project called Pearl Quest, it was in China. Mm -hmm. There was, I mean, it was, it was really great because we were doing the screen media and we were doing audio as well. Um, but also we were, we were, you know, we were designing all of the characters, all the environments and everything, which all had ramifications in the physical environment and everything else. So mm -hmm. we ended up being heavily involved across the board. And then we also ended up handling a lot of the ride vehicle programming, partially just because um, I think that because we, we always start out by doing previs and the previs is quite elaborate and it takes you through the whole attraction, then that sure. ends up sort of having knock-on effects on everything else. So we often end up being the sort of most obvious people to do that kind of work. Right, you know? of so, course. Um, and, and yeah, so, uh, and that was actually super fun because the, the ride vehicle programming, we had a visual version of it. We had the, the ride vehicle moving from screen to screen in, in CG, but um, it, it was, you know, my, initially I think that, that our clients at the time said, well, you know, we'll, we'll use that animation. Right. But from my point of view, we hadn't, thought remotely about what any of the physical limitations of the ride vehicle were because it wasn't ours to engineer you know it right, wasn't right, our right. thing so we were like well You're I don't like, know whatever. it was just an idea <laughs> of like you know it's going to go up and down but the, um, you don't know what the g-forces are or anything <laughs> you didn't know anything so um but then it was great actually because I could then got to work with the engineers they, I was like well can you give us those limits right far more complex than I think I'd anticipated because it had like 27 different physical limits as part of you know every single uh, degree of freedom had you know uh, a distance limit and a speed limit and an acceleration limit and an acceleration onset limit or jerk right. limit so um so i i wrote some tools to analyze our animation and kind of flag any places where we were out of out of you know uh sort of safe or, or plausible movement and right. so we could we could reanimate and upload that to the to the cars etc and, and yeah so so that, that ended up being actually super fun yeah <laughs> um, yeah so i mean you you've you've had a Passion. I mean, I know because I've spoken for a few few days, but mm. you have an absolute passion for roller coasters. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, rides in general. Yeah, yes, yeah. real passion, and you sort of and it's how. What's it like, first of all, to work on the thing that you've always loved for so long and making that part of your job? I mean, does it spoil it for you? No, uh, <laughs> it's, no, it's great. I mean, it's it's you know, I I think the 
Um, I think that even potentially even more so than film, it's still amazing when you get to go on it because for the for the for the whole duration of you know whether it's two years, five years, or whatever that you're working on an attraction, it is still just an idea in your head. You know, it's still right. very much a virtual piece of design. So then nothing compares to actually getting there and, and getting on it. You know, I mean that's still right. a, a huge body shock, I suppose. It's, it's still a you know which actually all the years that I was working in film, you know, I still hugely enjoy the thing everyone enjoys when you go to the cast and crew screening and you see it sure. for the first time. It's a lovely group experience, but it's highly likely that you will have seen an awful lot of those sequences, at least in rough cut form, many, 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 many times. Right. You know, So maybe you haven't seen it all together with the music and everything like that, which is great. But like the the... I find the the ride stuff more sort of surprising and exciting to to go and get on it really. Yeah, I can so see I that. so it doesn't it doesn't um it doesn't ruin it for me. I certainly I will say that you know any job is work and inevitably has its frustrations and it's you sure. know um creative cycles where you feel like you were getting certain place and then you're going back to the beginning and so on but I I you know the fact that there's day-to-day -day challenges doesn't doesn't change the fact that I am absolutely doing my six-year-old dreams right um, right right, right. And, I, and, and it's and it's it's a joy to do it that's amazing mm. so um take us through a process you say you know some of these the process can take two to five years to build mm. this roller coaster so let's go through a through an example of one of like what is that process how does that happen and where, where does it you know. So I mean, it's 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 very tricky to generalize. The the, sh the shorter projects are the ones where you're retheming an existing attraction. So we've done okay. quite a few of these where you've had you've got an attraction, whether it's a, a dark ride or a roller coaster or a walkthrough experience or whatever it is, that's maybe 25 years old or something like that, and it's looking a little bit tired, or they just want to refresh it, give it a bit of new life. Um, sometimes retheming completely new IP onto it mm -hmm. and those are the fastest because the thing already exists in, right. in many ways they they can be um it can be a it can be a kind of slicker experience because i i have to be careful not to not to share anything that's that's nda but you can we have in the past tested our new vision for the attraction by putting it into vr headsets and going and riding the attraction as it stands so the mm -hmm. vr headset is purely a developmental tool that's never going to be a VR attraction, but it's, it's for us to test our previs in situ. Yeah. Um, so that's, a, you know, a really interesting kind of way to assess your previs. It is a perennial problem that testing previs on, in the abstract, like, I mean, you're probably aware if you put on a, a VR headset and it's doing a roller coaster and you're just sitting still, it's yeah. very likely you'd get sick. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it, it's, so that's not the most pleasant way to, 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 you know, assess and, 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 and you have that process at the beginning where you're trying to get the project green lit, or at least you have the executives on board with what the, right. the design is. And you can't put a headset on an executive and have them vomit and then go, yeah, that's great. You know, <laughs> we should build that. So, um, so that, so being able to, to ride it is, is a, is a great help, but usually that's not the case, right? The ride is being built, so it doesn't exist yet. So okay. that, that is, um, a harder process. And, what tends to happen is that it, it does depend um, which client we're working for and what their general practices are. And some of the bigger places have different processes from the smaller ones. But um, in general, there will have been a, a traditional script, you know, which actually I, it didn't occur to me that you would script 
rides the same way you script a film, but they, they do. They, they script it out. It looks exactly the same as a script that you would see for a movie. Yeah. And it's, it's minute by minute of the guest walking through the experience. So they yeah. walk first into a room and they see this happen and then they walk into this one. And if there's any media, you know, this character will appear on a screen next to them, welcome them to the place and the, right. the dialogue will be written out. So it's all, it's all a script of what you experience as a guest. And then uh, that will be turned into potentially potentially storyboards, or usually a, a, a 3D animatic, sort of increasingly Unreal-based. And that'll either be done by us at Framestore or it'll be done by the client, depending on just whether they have that kind of capability their end or, right. you know, et cetera. That will iterate for a while, and often we're not involved at that stage. Sometimes we are um, in terms of getting creative buy-off from the you know, from the executives, from the investors, everyone who needs to approve it has yep. to approve it. And as I said, for a roller coaster, that's a challenge. For um, it, but I guess you watch it on a flat screen rather than in a headset, so that you don't throw up. Um, and then, and then at, at at some point, it will be greenlit. At which point, you know, everything starts. So so pouring concrete happens at the same time as we start going into media production in very much the same way as you would for a film so we start storyboarding if we need to do live shoots we plan the live shoots and we do them um for for um we did a, a whole recent run of um projects for jurassic world so we did five attractions across the world for that okay. and that involved shoots with the cast um which you know as much as possible you try to if you can com combine with shoots of the films that are happening at the same time so right. that you can kind of get the cast together at the same time um and um and yeah so we plan all of that out and and effectively go into sort of traditional media production where it differs is that um delivery is quite a different thing we we are in general we are not sending shots to a client side editor who then takes them from there that's not really how right. it works we tend to be um finishing things to an extent they will be um they will be comps that we've taken to 75 percent uh -huh. and then my preferred way of finishing though again depends on <clears throat> the specifics of the project but is to then um go out to the site and finish the comps in situ so we as if you can you get nuke talking directly to the big projectors and you and you comp the final stages on site that requires site access and final show lighting and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. But when you do it, it's fantastic because you can get really good integration between your your uh, yeah. physical set and get all your color temperatures looking perfect together and all of that kind of thing. So. Uh, yeah, you have to be really involved. Mm, yeah, I was I was just thinking about that. You know, like the the the, the young six year old you and and mm. your teenage you who are like maybe I want to do roller coasters. Mm. Uh, I don't know, maybe I want to do visual effects and work on big blockbuster films. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe I want to work on animatronics. And I just realized you actually are doing all of those things. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and the, it's funny because the one I always admit because I kind of haven't done it, but it's getting there, is the other one that was drawing my attention at the time as a, as a kid, you know, as well as film and, and theme park rides and, and animatronics was um, uh, theatrical set design. So like particularly the really big technical sets. I, I, um, I don't know if you've, have you ever seen uh, Les Miserables on stage? Because mm -hmm. there's a bit halfway through Les Miserables where the, the buildings that have formed the little street scene all sort of turn inside out and slot together and it forms the barricade. And right. then, you know, and that's the scenery change. 
And the first time I saw it, I was like, ah, what just happened? <laughs> yeah. uh, like, like, and it seemed like a lot of the people, I mean, I don't want to be dismissive, but a lot of the people in the audience were not that interested because the singers aren't currently on the stage and, you know, it's just right. a set moving around. But for me, it was the most exciting thing. It was yeah. like the reuse of all those set pieces and just the incredibly graceful way that it all like completely, like a big transformer turned into into something else. I thought it was incredible. And, I, um, and, and I've been quite lucky. I've got a friend who is a theatre director and she was working in the West End for a while and she let me go behind the scenes at some of the some of the plays and kind of go and go and climb on those bits of scenery and all that kind right. of thing that that to me is another one that's really amazing and that again can come into can come into um play in theme park rides depending on the sort of ambition there's a lot of um shows and things that are like half show there's there's um I don't know if you've been on the new Rise of the Resistance ride. That's a, it's a Disney one. I I um I wasn't I wasn't involved on it, but it's um it's what makes it quite unusual and exciting in the theme park world is that it it has it's a multi-stage experience. There is a ride, but there's also a couple of bits of kind of immersive theatre, and there's a little like show in the queue, and there's various you know it's actually very hard to say. Because the, the queue time will say it's 80 minutes, but actually generally it's not because lots of those minutes are spent doing things that are actually little pieces of theatre right. and like fun bits. They're not they're not just waiting. Right. So so it you know it's it's hard to say when the attraction starts. You go through all these different bits, you know, right, and right. it's fun. Um, and I think that's something that I would love to see happen more. Is that is that you know it doesn't you don't have to have queue and then just one experience you can have lots of sort of different kind of and then it's like it's hard to argue is it is it a play it's kind of a bit of a show and it's kind right. of a bit of a ride and it's kind of a bit of a few things and i really love those hybrid ones so. yeah, yeah, yeah 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 i think those are when they do it right it makes it way more tolerable to be on that line you know because then it becomes it becomes a much longer ride too yeah right? yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah exactly exactly you don't you don't feel so uh cheated <laughs> i know because most rides are like you know a couple minutes <laughs> they, they are and and to be honest they the battle is often i mean it, it, one of the sort of creative tension points i think with all rides is that we are extremely conscious of throughput people per hour is the is the yeah. metric um which which forces these things to be very short but creatively we'd always rather they were longer because you know it's a shame isn't it if you've right. just got into the headspace and then it's over that you know a, a roller coaster i think can't really go past a couple of minutes because it does your head in but right. but uh, but uh, uh, anything else a bit slower is actually fun if it's a bit longer there's um there's the avatar ride uh flight of passage at, at animal kingdom in orlando which is i think four and a half minutes something like that for and it feels exceptionally long just by comparison to its sort of counterparts and it's right. lovely for that like you don't there's a bit halfway through where you think it's ending and you're like don't end and then it keeps going no. and going <laughs> and it's actually really like it feels long in in the perfect way it right. feels like you get your you get your worth out of it you know sure. having done the line now have you actually designed or do you have ambitions to actually design a ride? Like someone comes up to you, so it's like you have all this experience, Eugenie. You know, um, <laughs> yes and no. I mean, um, so I work in, in our team. We have a couple of creative directors and we have actually some some of the projects that we've worked on. We've been really heavily involved in the design of the whole, the overall experience, right down to track right. layout and stuff. I didn't... Um, personally do that bit but you know it's definitely something that is in our our kind of groups wheelhouse and um as for myself personally i i would i would love to um but i would always want to work as part of a team only because i think 
the best work comes out of creative teams and creative and creative interaction and you know so I, I don't I don't necessarily have fancies to be like oh, I will be the person but I right. but in terms of would I like to sort of lead and take one on then yeah I mean I think that would be incredibly fun <laughs> yeah yeah all right so uh what are some of your favorite rides kinds of rides like actually give us a, a run through like tell us some different kinds of rides and why yeah it's, yeah 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 because i think that's the I, I i can answer the question on what my favorites are but i think that like to be honest my favorites list is curated to try and show a spread of like you know because yeah, yeah. i think i mean roller coasters in their in their purest form are you know the big crazy ones that are outdoors generally and they and they and they whiz around and they do tremendous g-forces they can be amazing mm -hmm. i definitely prefer them when there's something visual or creatively stimulating other than just the feeling in your gut right. and actually one of my one of my very favorites is one that i that i was lucky enough to work on which is velocicoaster um the mm -hmm. jurassic world one in orlando uh, islands of adventure universal islands of adventure which is um it's just i can't claim credit to this bit at all because i did q media but the um but the, the the ride itself is not only just a fantastically lovely graceful exciting track design but there's all this just gorgeous rock work and scenery that you're diving in and out of and it's just visually amazing and uh -huh. at one point you get to the sort of top of the top hat you see the whole park and it's just all really you know it's just really lovely and, and beautiful and so that that's a that is a really like it's a really great roller coaster which is which is which is fun um but then the the, the funny part is that you know a lot of my favorites are the ones that i grew up with right so actually they're ones in the uk and right. things like that and i and and there's there's a there's a roller coaster in alton towers in the uk called oblivion which was i think the world's first sort of vertical dive coaster so right. it's very short you just go up to the top it sits you there for a moment and then you dive back down again but you go all the way underground um and that's still it's funny because roller coasters basically these days i get no adrenaline but that's one that i still get a little <laughs> bit of a Right. A little bit of a feeling in my heart when you go down through the dive, so that's wonderful. And then outside of roller coasters and sort of thrill rides, um, super sort of creative. Um, so dark rides is generally, we just mean it, it's inside a building, but usually that involves more theming, more more sort of elaborate sure. experience as a story. Um, one of my favorites is um, the Spider-Man ride, again, at Islands of Adventure. It's um, it was It was the first one to do... There's a technique which, depending on your point of view, is either called squinching, moving eye point, or perspective warping. As far as I understand it, it's because people have copyrights on the on the names. So which which company you work with determines which of these phrases you use. But, okay, explain but what this. <laughs> I, I will explain this. So what it is is if you if you imagine that you have a big screen, it could be it could be flat or it could be curved. Okay. It might be easier to explain if it's flat, and and you want to create the illusion that that's a window to another extension of the set. So right. in reality, you have a physical set, you have a screen, but you you want the people to believe that that's a window and there's further environment outside right. there. And are you using you can use 3D or not 3D glasses. You can use 3D or not 3D. You can right. just have it 2D. It's up to you. Mm -hmm. But in both cases, you know, if you had a room full of people and they could move wherever they like, then you can't really create that illusion because the person on this side of the room should be seeing something all the way over there, and right. the person on this side of the room should be seeing something all the way over there. But if you've got a ride vehicle and it's relatively sort of small compared to the size of that screen, then you can approximate that viewpoint as the center of the ride vehicle. So as the ride vehicle tracks past that screen, you can be adjusting the what the view that you see out of that screen and then right. it hopefully creating the illusion of continuous depth. Right. It's more effective if it's in 3D, but sure. it, it can work either way. Um, 
and that that is uh, very much uh, a sort of it's a it's a wonderful illusion. It makes everything we do harder because the ride vehicle movement is very often only really confirmed at the last stage of the project. So we sure. need our cameras to have that very early on, and there's a there's a kind of um, there's a kind of uh, back and forth with that, and uh, you know very much you sometimes get a situation where at the very last minute you need to be re-rendering everything because the ride vehicle movement's changed and so you need that that warping to change. Okay, I have a question for you mm. about just from someone who does a lot of lighting. Yeah. What's your what's your what's your uh, what lens do you use to try to get perspective to work to match your eyeballs? <laughs> so there is so there is no lens and this is a thing that it took me a long time to understand. So if you imagine that it's if you imagine that this is a screen. Yeah. And that my viewpoint is here, so this is where my rider is or my mm. ride vehicle. Mm. To, to defer, determine what gets put onto each pixel, mm -hmm. you're tracing a straight line out of that through the pixel and to whatever part of the environment. Oh, so, so, so depending how close you are. So if you track forward towards the screen, you're getting a widening of view right. in the same way that you walk towards a window and you can see more of the environment. Right. But it's not a specific lens because... If you imagine that your rider could go up to the top of the screen, down to the bottom of the screen, etc., you almost got a different lens for every pixel. Oh, that's crazy. So, yeah. And it's even crazier if you have a curved screen because then you have uh, effectively, I mean, you can imagine that, oh, how do I describe it? It's so difficult. I've spent so many times drawing this diagram in my, in my life. But if you, <laughs> if you have a big uh, spherical screen, for example, sure. you know, the most obvious thing to do is to put your camera at the center of the room. Mm -hmm. And if you've got loads of viewers in there, then that's what you would do. But if you've got a viewer that comes through the door right. and comes through the room and goes out the other door and you've only got the one, then actually you've got a wildly different um, lens for each part of that image. So, yeah. so, um, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it has no lenses, but it, it, your lens as such is defined by the geometry of your screen and your viewing position. Right. And you also can't have a whole bunch of seats because everyone needs a different lens. Yeah, so they, so they, there is this kind of, and this is really subjective, that, you know, uh, you are modeling, to do that, you are modeling the viewer as a single point in space, which means if you've got like a really big screen and you've got a little tiny ride vehicle with like 12 seats all clustered together, then that's actually a completely reasonable approximation. Right. But it's kind of like a geometric thing of like, how far can you get from that sweet spot before it starts to look weird and, and sort of psychedelically warpy and not, not great? Right. Um, and you can kind of only test that by trying. We do a lot of mock-ups of that sort of thing in VR just to sort of go like, okay, if the ride vehicle gets any bigger, it's going to look weird right but then there's also there's whole things that can help or hinder like um straight lines uh if you've got a curved screen and the material you're putting on it is full of straight lines like you're doing a cityscape mm -hmm. that breaks down much faster as in uh, if you're away from the sweet spot all of the buildings look like they've got kinks in them and right. um, and so you spot that straight away but in a more organic environment, like a kind of jungle type or thing, you can get whatever, right. Yeah. You can get away with a lot more. So then, you know, creative decisions can adjust it as well. So interesting. Mm. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. I, I, I've always wondered, like, how does that, you know, how does that work? Where does that, that go? But uh, what about uh, like, because I don't. I don't like rides where they make you put on 3D glasses. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, yeah, it's a common complaint. Yeah, yeah. It's because I just, you know, I've actually gotten. Uh, so I had a, uh, 
an infection in my ear. Oh yeah. Uh, and um, it turns out I had to I end up getting vertigo out of nowhere. And oh, they said, really? oh yeah, it's basically you got a flu, but it affected your ear instead of everything else. Okay. And so he gave me Benadryl and said, you know, it's the same as uh, as as uh, 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 what's the this the the motion sickness medication. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And so I said, okay. And then he said, I've got bad news for you though. You will you will be very sensitive to motion sickness from now on in your life. Oh no. <laughs> so I found that out and I was like, that sucks. And so, so yeah, I get very sensitive to that stuff. Although I used to love roller coasters, oh. but I can do, um, I have a patch I can wear and that actually cures all of it. So. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Magic. yeah. Magic patch. <laughs> but I love, I, I love the idea of what these things are. My kids absolutely love roller coasters and the experiences now are so fantastic because of, you know, it's not just waiting in this long line and then getting on this clunky wooden thing. <laughs> no, though I still love that, I will say. I mean, I, I, I have a great love of the complete high end and then I also have a great love of the complete low end. Yeah. I think it's growing up on a sort of British beach resort and going down to the sort of rides that were falling apart on yeah. the, you know, seafront. I, I, I can enjoy both. Yeah. Now, uh, okay, so we covered those two rides. What are the, is there another one? Well, I mean, uh, the uh, some of the, I mean, certainly the um, Avatar Flight of Passage is is pretty is pretty incredible. That's a um, you are <clears throat> you ride a little. It's kind of almost like bike style, but the the the, the concept is that you're connecting to an avatar and riding a banshee, the, oh, uh, the okay. creature, which is breathing. By the way, you can feel it. Oh, um, really? Breathing, yeah, but um, but you you are you're kind of placed in front of this big dome screen with a very clever, they've got an illusion which hides the fact that you're going. So you, you put your 3D glasses on and they're all kind of faceted clear plastic and they shine little strobes into your light. So they take the, all the screen away and like, well, they, they take the sort of protective screen away and bring in a screen and projectors and you can't see any of it because you're being blinded by this stuff. And then you just find yourself pop, you're on Pandora and you're flying. Okay. Um, and it's really a incredibly beautiful media. I mean, just, hugely high res and high frame rate is this similar gorgeous. to like what's the one in uh disneyland flight soaring soaring is it similar it's, concept to soaring yeah it is the the um i think not that i have the statistics to hand but you have more movement in your because i think your little bike thing that you sit on is on the end of a sort of cantilevered uh, thing so i think you get more you get actual more movement, movement to it which is fun because you can have actual drops you know things right. like that but um but the the Yes, they're, they're lovely sort of flying experiences. It's just really effective and it uses scent and sort of water mist in the air when you go over waterfalls and stuff. It just feels very tangible. And I, I think it's a, I think that's a pretty wonderful piece of creativity, I think. And then a great love of mine is The Mummy, uh, Revenge of the Mummy at, at Universal, the, specifically the Orlando one. Okay. Because this is going to be a bit spoilery, but it just combines absolutely everything. It's a masterpiece. They've got you start with a dark ride section with loads of animatronics and pyrotechnics and that's already spectacular yeah. and you're like wow this is great and then you get a full roller coaster section in the dark and then you come to what feels like the end and everyone's laughing this doesn't happen in the los angeles version right and you it looks like you're going to get off the ride it's an unload bay and there's a screen where you can see a silhouette of a sort of ride vehicle operator kind of about to summon you off the ride. And then she gets killed by the mummy. <laughs> the ceiling gets set on fire. They do full brain fire in front of you, which like sort of is really close to you. Yeah. You sort of shoot either forwards or backwards at that point, And then you get another roller coaster section and then you finish the ride, which is like, it's just full of illusions and surprises. Wow. It's like a lovely piece. And it's, it's, um, 
there's just so many things that sort of a it's just actually I'm, I'm I can't wait to get back to it because it's just closed for seven months for renovation and it, it's re, it's reopened right. um, and I'm hoping to get over there in the next couple of months I, I um for me that is they just they just tried they just did all of the tricks you know they they were, they went for everything we're going to do thrill we're going to do right we're going to do media we're going to do illusions we're going to do you know right. jokes and and the brain fire to me is just absolutely incredible i mean it looks like um it looks like the movie backdraft except the thing is that they're setting fire to the ceiling i'm assuming pretty much every 20 seconds all day long you know like every every day right. and it's it's amazing to me that they can do that they can do it safely to, on you know to queue yeah um and all of that it's just yeah i don't know yeah that would terrify me <laughs> 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 Every 20 seconds, they set the ceiling on fire. Yeah, yeah, yep. it's brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. What are what are some of the uh, let's let's talk about like what do we like to get into doing the things you do? Like, if someone wants to do the kind of things you do, like it's it's a tricky question to answer because it's not a. I mean, I would say that you know, theme park design, ride design is not an enormous uh, industry. It, it it feels a bit like, I mean, looking at. Um, visual effects and feature film which I think is you know a lot of our backgrounds there was a point in the 90s where there were like 12 clever people doing it on the planet right and then right. you know and then now there's just thousands upon thousands upon thousands right it's right. just it's it's the, the companies <coughs> are vast and they have offices all over the world and it's now a very obvious path it's like they all have recruitment teams that come to you know and turn to universities and that's what you do I would say that to me, ride design feels like a very small world at the moment. It feels like that, you know, it's not 12 people on the planet by any means, sure. but it's still very small. And so it's quite hard to kind of carve out a like, this is the route if this is what you want to do. But certainly it feels like to me, I mean, just going to sort of um, this various sort of conventions, expos for the, for the themed entertainment industry, it feels like, you know, you have your really big players, which are Walt Disney Imagineering, Universal Creative, uh, Merlin Magic Making is pretty big. They do a lot of work internationally, Legoland and that sort of thing. Um, and then you have an awful lot of companies that are smaller and independent. Either they serve their local theme park, so you'll have a you know a local theme park in a country that will have an an associated creative team. Sure. Um, and then you have you know your your engineering firms that are actually looking at the steel. There's a there's a large number of um, of companies uh, that that just do the creative development side of it. So they, they tend to be smaller. They will work for a lot of the companies I've just talked about or, or, or uh, the companies that own theme parks will come to one of these agencies and go, we want, you know, to see some ideas for, for this. And sure. So there's many, many, many companies. I mean, other than Googling and having a look at them, it's hard to, to say this is the path to get into them because they are so small and they're and so varied There's also so many different things you can do, right? Exactly. And yeah. there's... I think that it's it's a, I mean something that I would really recommend is trying to get to, um, trying to get to IAPA. So, uh, IAPA is the hang on, International Amusement Parks. I'm going to get the letters wrong. I can't remember what okay. they stand for. Let's just say it's the International. Um, I think it's the International Association. Yes, International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions. So okay. they they run. Um, these conferences uh, there's a big one in Orlando every November and then they have one in Europe one in Asia obviously if you can get to it in person great if you can't just use their online resources they, I think they have an awful lot of sort of online communities and that mm -hmm. kind of thing but they are the big 
expos, they just have almost any company who supplies anything in any way to theme parks or the entertainment industry comes and has a stall. And it's incredibly useful just to see what are the companies? Like, what are these things? What exists out there? Like, sure. who's, who's working in it? And I didn't know until I went to it sort of how, you know, that there are companies that just look at creative. There are companies that look at creative and design build. There are companies that only look at design build. There's all these different things and there's so many facets to it. And it kind of gave me a, a, a visibility of what the whole industry is. Um, but like I say, I don't think you, you know, going there in person, if you happen to be near one is amazing. But if you can't, I, I think that, you know, looking at that and the things like the themed entertainment um, uh, association, TEA, mm -hmm. they all have these, they, they have like very active online communities where you can look at the, you know, their websites, I'm sure will be full of sort of sponsors and ways to link up with the various different companies. Right. And it just gives you places to start Googling. Yeah, you know? yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I think uh, I think those are those are some great resources. I think people would be very interested in, in looking into that. But um, how different, you know, when you started doing that transition from from you know working on Interstellar to mm. working on this, like how different or how, how what was the what was the similarities that you found the most, and what were the real big differences? Yeah, I mean, the um, uh, I was extremely lucky because even though. On paper, it looks like a really big change to go from feature film to to building rides, as it were. Mm -hmm. um, I really, I mean, I went from double negative to frame store where I had already worked. You know, it wasn't like an actual huge shift in terms of the industry because I, I'd, um, because very much we started out as just putting ourselves forward as we're making the visual effects for these rides mm -hmm. which means that you know i've been doing visual effects for one thing and i just went and did visual effects for something sure. else and it was still very much the same industry so and there's an awful lot of overlap in terms of the, the specifically the visual effects work you know i'm always saying to to artists when they're considering making that move i always say you know we still model stuff we still texture stuff we still rig stuff we still animate stuff we still yeah. render stuff there's an awful lot of you there's no conversion at all right but the difference is there's always going to be this extra little layer of technological complexity because either you have to animate but think about the whole space or you have to light but consider the actual blueprints of the real lighting in the space. Or, you know, there's, there's, there's often an extra consideration sure. or just sheer numbers of frames. I mean, we just have insane numbers of pixels and insane numbers of frames. Lots of pixels, stuff. yeah. Lots of pixels and lots and lots and lots of frames. Frame rate's very high and, you know, um, right. so... so it, those those things, you know, make your artist's jobs a little bit more demanding sometimes, or a little bit more challenging. But, um, but you know, also potentially more rewarding. So it depends on your point of view. Sure. So for me, it was a smooth transition. But as we're getting more involved in the overall sort of creative of the physical side of it as well, the the, the ride vehicle stuff. We we did an attraction a few years ago, um, Midnight Ride, which was. Uh, motorbike experience where you had VR headsets on it was all real time and you could steer the motorbike so you within reason you had some freedom of the path that you were going on mm -hmm. so it all had to be real time and that was one where you couldn't really separate the ride vehicle programming from the media because it was like well this just has to work as a as a unit it's like having a controller for a game right, you know this right, is right. this is a thing that just has to work so so we you know that's where you get more and more involved in the technology of it and Obviously, from that point of view, you need people with, you know, potentially a bit more either interest or skills in 
programming, engineering, those kinds of things, which are less called for in in feature film. Right. But, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So what? What's the future of rights? Like, we we knew there's always been these changes, and the the demand for the newest thing is huge in rights. Yeah, right. So yeah. what? Where where do you see the future of rights going right now? I mean, I think that the first of all, I think it's. I hope it has a very bright future because I think that there's been um, there's obviously a lot of question marks hovering over, and I I don't think that cinemas will 100% go away, but I do see. I think there's a lot of people concerned that like Netflix is in many ways more appealing to people streaming than going to the cinema and there's a lot of you know yeah. concern about that whereas I feel like uh, location-based things are really thriving and actually there was a bit at the beginning of COVID where that didn't look like the case anymore we were like uh oh no one wants to go anywhere because they don't want to breathe other people's air so you know right. maybe, maybe we're maybe we're dead um, but but I think these days because streaming at home is an option and it's very convenient, but it's taken a lot of the glamour out of going out and having a night out and all of that. Actually, people are looking for things where they can go to a special place and do something they can't do at home. So to right. me, it feels like there's a very bright future in, in parks. As to the technology of rides, um, I mean, I think uh, more interactive stuff. So definitely, definitely looking at real time as a, as a growth thing, but a sense that it isn't the same every time you go on it, I think is very appealing. Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, a sense of, I mean, increasingly we're seeing with, with, as I touched on Rise of the Resistance and the new hotel, um, the Star Wars hotel at Disney and so on, there's more of a sense of in introducing you as a character. So it's it's kind of that LARPing thing, which is, which is a real sort of growth area. It's like, an example would be, and I'm not so necessarily saying that this is what everything is going to be five years from now but you know if you book your tickets and you get given a character this is this is the costume this is what your background is you need to when you come to the park you need to find these five gemstones which you're going to like you know that's oh, your mission and you know um and that's the kind of thing that's being looked at quite a lot is sort of you know making it a great big larp or a great big game that you're going into and you know those sorts of things you know it's it's got its pros and cons i think the it, the sense of interactivity is really great like i there's um there's a there's a little known i think um treasure hunt scavenger hunt thing um in uh, the area around pirates of the caribbean in orlando um there's all these little hidden animatronics and you can go to this little it's like a little hut and they'll give you a treasure map and the treasure map is just of the area of the park and it's all um it's all linked to an RFID chip, I think. Memory serves, you have it. And so you, you, it, the map will tell you where to go next and you go next and if you touch your little RFID chip onto, onto the sensor, the animatronic will come to life and do a little thing for you and then your, you know, your app will tell you where to go next on your map. Oh, cool. And it's, 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 I'm sure lots of people do it, but it's one of those things that people don't really, because the rides are big and they can see them, they don't know that that's happening. But it's a lovely little experience and I've done it a few times and they give you different maps each time so you find new things. Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, so I think that kind of interactivity, um, individualizing the experience is really appealing um, and drawing that into rides as well. There's often a um, conversation that goes like, if you were to, you know, on an app, uh, define an avatar that's you like everyone loves at the beginning of video games where you get to make your character yeah and then there's real-time 
rides should you appear as your avatar automatically uh, when you get into them and things like that so there's there's that crossover of games and rides which i think is really interesting i mean like i say my my personal kind of wish and love is to blur the distinctions a bit more i feel like there's there's a lot still of the thing where you know one thing is definitely a show you sit down in rows of seats and you watch it and that's cool and then there's a roller coaster way it's definitely a roller coaster you sit down you pull down your estate and you do the thing but like i like the ones that blur those distinctions where you know as i said with rise of the resistance and with the mummy where it's like well it's kind of all of those things you get a bit of each and you know right. there's there's and i think uh, those kinds of things are sort of potentially more um overwhelming you know full immersive experiences sure. is, is maybe it's may, i hope where we're going yeah that's interesting i didn't even think about the fact that yeah i, I mean i realized that the theaters are starting to have less interest in them mm. and the only thing in theaters are pretty much marvel or disney films so i mm. think marvel and disney are probably okay <laughs> i think i think, but, I think they're all right i i think i mean i suppose what i'm conscious of is that if you look at the number of people going to the movie theater or the cinema every week in the 1950s and you look at it now it's plummeted it's absolutely plummeted yeah. not just in the last few years with streaming but you know it used to be the the main activity you had you didn't necessarily have a tv at home you know right. so so and and i guess there's a there is a question of like do people still want to do it i mean it's quite fun if the speaker system is really good and stuff but then people can have good speakers at their house that's now. the thing that's the thing and i and i will admit that i a few years ago, I would have said to you, well, I'll never stop going. I've got wonderful cinemas around me and I love going and right. that's the thing. And I'm going much less. I've yeah. got a good system at home and like, I also I'm a snob and I and you go along and one of the speakers is broken and there's, oh, oh it's not a spider, it's just a twig. A <laughs> just I, um, a twig. I'm really jumpy because I went, um, I went uh, kayaking in in Texas a couple of weeks ago, and a massive spider just crawled over my face, oh, like, and I don't know how it I, got I on me. I know you have arachnophobia. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so I, so I have a little bit of like, oh, uh, yeah. left over. But um, but uh, yeah, I, um, I think that that. Uh, yeah, I think that there is certainly a kind of like but there was also, dying question. But there was also this thing like suddenly I think Disney decided rides are going to be about movies. Oh, right. Mm, mm, and so, yes, yes. <laughs> and rides don't have to be about movies, but now they have to. So, this whole idea of franchises has happened, right? It, I mean, it breaks, I shouldn't say it, but it does break my heart a bit. I think the, <laughs> um, I guess the thing is that it's effective, though. It's very effective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I, I guess the thing is, I, I'm not going to say, I don't want to sort of lazily say like, oh, it's just, it's just, you know, they've just got no ideas anymore, you know, because I think, well, no, actually they've got some ideas of trying to, I mean, it's certainly if you look at what's happening with Star Wars and Marvel, you know, they are creating with the longer form stuff with, with having vast numbers of movies and TV and stuff, they're, they're looking at much more complex and multi-layered stories and, multi, you know, and full universes, full worlds that, that people really love. And I can understand why they want to, bring that to life in you know in the physical world around you and i can see why that's ended up with rides being part of those ips but the the, the sad part for me is that the rides you know the rides i loved growing up with weren't based on a movie you know they were their own fully realized world you know right. that existed just for that experience and I think it just becomes quite repetitive and limiting only okay. to be looking at IP. So then, you know, I, I see both sides of it. I mean, 
yes, I almost everything we do, not absolutely every single one, but almost everything we do comes comes from a film franchise. And I'd and like to see And if it doesn't, that. then we make a film about it. Well, yes, you can go both ways, obviously. <laughs> a Pirates of the Caribbean, no problem. We'll absolutely. make that into a movie. Absolutely, Haunted Mansion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Mm. So yeah, I think it's I think it's very interesting, uh, but I I think that there's some interesting the experiences I have. Listen, I like going to Disneyland. I'm not a big mm. Disney person, but I yeah. love going to Disneyland, and it's just you know, part of me is like, ah, it's like, oh, but I'm gonna have a good time. Trust me, I'm gonna have a good time. It's really so, nice. Yeah. Mm. So it's really cool, and I also like the fact that some of the rides are not necessarily just about the roller coasters and the G's, right? Yeah, or, yeah, of course. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, you, Disney actually has very few real thrill rides. It's right. not. It's not big on that. It's yeah. it's big on like generally family friendly, but like really quite beautifully curated story rides. Like that's what they do, and they do brilliantly. Right. You know, and I think I, I think the uh, Universal much more of the kind of thrill market, but I think. It's nice to look at the fact that you can have things all on that spectrum. I mean, the most recent, um, again, I didn't, um, I wasn't involved in it, but Cosmic Rewind, which is the new Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster at Epcot, is it's really great. Like it's really good. It's it's um, it's not it's thrilling enough to be fun. Right. But it's not crazy. You don't go upside down. It doesn't give you potential headache right it's like it's it's fun it's family friendly but it's got just a lovely integration of story and fun and music and you know it's just good it, yeah it, you can you can make it good without making it extreme you right. know not that i i mind the extreme ones but. <laughs> okay so china's got to be making a huge amount of roller coasters these days so china at the moment is kind of strange it was yeah. Um, there was a there, there was a period in which we like we worked on a whole bunch of stuff in China in a row, um, including whole parks where we did five attractions at once and stuff. And um, right. that was sort of five years ago. Um, it, the amount of Chinese work that that's certainly that's coming our way seems to have really, really, really dropped off. And I don't know. To be honest, maybe this is a bit naive. I don't think I know enough about. Um, China's kind of financial situation to know exactly why that's happening, whether mm. whether those things just aren't being built because of, I don't know, recessions or things like that, or mm. whether I, I do know that there had been a desire in the Chinese government to reduce the amount of trade backwards and forwards between China and like the West. And therefore, right. I don't know if it's that those things are still being built, but they're not coming our way. The right. work is being kept internally in China, or if it's just paused. I know that they had an awful lot of problems with COVID yes. in terms of closure of the borders and all of that. So I'm not really sure. I mean, uh, we, you know, at Framestore, we did we did um, Pearl Quest, which was this one-off ride. Yeah, and then we did that. Lionsgate Entertainment World, which was the full park um, down in Zhuhai. And then we were also involved with Universal Beijing, which opened sort of during COVID. So I, okay. very sadly, I've not been out there yet. I um, I worked on it for five years. <laughs> Wow. And I and I um I have not yet uh not yet been able to go and visit, which I I'm pretty desperate to do. But maybe when the quarantine goes. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I find that fascinating. Um, uh, so what what are I know you're you're working on stuff that you can't talk about under NDA, but what can you say? Here's the most recent rides that that uh, you guys have done that would be exciting for people to look at. Uh, 
Okay. Um, so the things that we can talk about, um, certainly the suite of Jurassic work was just really great. There's loads of stuff to love there. We, we did um, projects in Hollywood, in Orlando and in Beijing. Okay. Um, really cool stuff. Which ones um, are your favorite? Which are the ones in Hollywood? Because that's where I, I live very close to that. Hollywood, <laughs> Hollywood so it was uh, an update of the boat ride. So it was Jurassic Park. It's Jurassic, Jurassic oh, the World. updated one, yeah. 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 Um, so we did the Q Media. There's a sort of like, when you're queuing, there's like an internal um, TV channel almost, yeah. as if you're a guest working the park. So that was the media we did. I think it's quite a lot. I think it's like 90 minutes of media on those screens or something wow, like that. Okay. So there's so there's a lot of work there. Um, and and we we looked after the shoot um, like as production company. So we so we did the shoot with the with the with the A listers for all of that and stuff and right. scripted and directed it. And um, yeah, so that was really that was really uh, cool. Um, yeah. And yeah, Velocicoaster is my favourite. That's in in Orlando, no. or at least. It's not my favorite. It's my favorite that I've been on. I suspect my favorite will be the dark ride that we did in Beijing, which was the biggest project for us. Right. Um, but I haven't been yet. So okay. it's, it's not my favorite yet, but right. hopefully will be when it. Um, then um, what else can we talk about? Uh, did the Jimanji ride in Gardaland in Italy, which okay. um, super involved in a lot of the, the creative on that. Um, so that was really cool. Um, and then other things. I'm trying to remember what we've allowed to be to put press releases out for. Um, I mean, annoyingly, uh, a whole bunch of stuff that is. Oh, um, the Museum of the Future in Dubai. That was actually a really cool project. That was. Right. Um, uh, it's a museum, and um, the 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 idea of it is that you you step into this. Um, you step into this capsule, which is actually a lift that takes you up to the top floor, but it's dressed as a space capsule. And so out of the windows, you see yourself going up into space and oh, docking right. into a space station. But it's really, it's really beautiful, actually. It's a lovely experience, um, which I think I'm allowed to tell you about. Though if I'm not, I'll email you and then you can cut out that section of the, of the thing. But the, annoyingly, um, yeah, there's a whole lot of other stuff that opened this summer, but we are on the cusp of being allowed to talk about it. But okay. I can't yet. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, You've done you. exactly one hour, so it's Yay. perfect. We did great. Mm -hmm. And uh, listen, it's been awesome meeting you. Oh. Hopefully, we will stay in touch with each other yeah. over the years. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and this is your third THU, you It's said? my third, yeah. Okay. All right. So, we'll probably be back. Um, I, I hope so. <laughs> so right. Awesome. Well, great seeing you. Thank you for doing this. Cool. Yeah, thank you.